Are we are we good? Yeah. Okay. You don't you don't count me in that time. That was good. Yeah, because you get mad at that. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I don't know. This is gonna be a weird one. Why? Because I feel like doing a little bit of ASMR right now. Why? Because of what we just watched on the astrology uh, astrology club. Astronomy. Oh, astronomy club. okay so (laughs) complete sidebar (laughs) if you're interested in funny things watch the astronomy club on netflix really really good it was recommended it's a sketch show yeah 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 that's all you need to know i'm not gonna spoil it it's just damn funny and accurate yeah okay um okay so this well do you want to i don't know get something out of the way like asmr it's not a show about asmr by the way Welcome to the Tom Owen ASMR experience. Wow. <laughs> I will now slow my tea. Brace yourselves. Okay, that's it. No, come on. No, we can't. Like, we're not going to entertain that any longer. That was painful to witness <laughs> that's i mean that's that, if we post that that's that's gonna follow you for the rest of your life tom i don't care i'm just taking the piss at the end of the day so it's fine <laughs> i don't really condone or believe in that whole thing i don't it's just it doesn't so work on weird. me it, it doesn't work creeps me no out. but it, it it's not it's not about creeping you out it's just it it's basically supposed to have an effect on some people more than others so you're supposed to get the the tingles and uh, yeah. no 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 anyway well you've now we've finished tingle time with tom <laughs> we'll move on so this one we want to talk about well i i want to talk about art fear because it's something that's very real to me right now and tom doesn't seem to have any of it so i think it would be a good conversation to have because we're coming at it from completely different perspectives and just so I'm clear on what art fear is, to me at least, it's the anxiety or kind of nervousness around sharing anything creative. So there's, I guess, so many people that kind of in school and in their careers and even just as side hustles or whatever are uh, sort of drawn to creative fields like art, painting, sculpture, um, video, music, any kind of creative outlet, writing, poetry, all of that. And that's just part of their DNA and it's just what they know. And they might have sucked at at anything academic, but this is the thing they excelled at and then they made something of it, whether it was, I don't know, selling, doing a side hustle or making it some part of their career. The the problem I've always had is that it doesn't come naturally to me or at least I didn't think it did and any attempt to try and be creative was not discouraged at school but just kind of like oh well people are better at it and people are more confident doing it so I'm just gonna steer towards the academic stuff and now I'm in my adulthood always seemingly always drawn to creative people I think that was a big reason why I connected with you as well is that you're a creative person you do video um and like you know that world 
And I was really drawn to that. Anyone I've ever fancied before <laughs> has been creative. Like, and I'm just saying, like, not getting too deep, but like, they've always been a creative person. Yeah. So, I think obviously I'm drawn to that, right? I'm, I'm drawn to what I don't have in myself, or I'm drawn Wait, to. Just out of interest, how do you perceive creative people? Like, what's your perception of them? Just, I think someone that's naturally talented at something that isn't maths or science or so you're talking about like the visual audio type of kind of anything like so like musicians painters yeah the classic type of creatives any just anything that's not academic basically like i uh, yeah i'm i'm just not even like romantically i'm just drawn to people that are like creative like we know somebody who's a poet and i was like well up for that i was like oh my god amazing like yeah oh he's he must be so cool like yeah he is cool but like do you know what i mean like i I just i i hold creative people in such high regard and it gets at a point now where it's almost like a pedestal like i'll never be able to be that for myself yeah and kind of late last year i sort of had an epiphany of sorts where I i just sort of gave up on that notion i just got so sick of myself talk like the the stuff i'm telling myself the ways i'm holding myself back and just decided to just be okay with not being there yet but putting stuff out anyway so wait wait wait, wait. before you go into that could you just give us like some examples of how art fear oh lol well your, let's into your yeah <laughs> so like i think the first my first memory of like thinking oh, i really suck at this was at school where we were asked to do a self-portrait and me and my friend who we still laugh about now we sucked at it like we it was we couldn't contain our laughter but we had to laugh at it because and i can't even remember what she drew i can't i know what i drew i can't remember hers but she thought hers was awful and i thought mine was awful and we weren't we weren't like criticizing each other's we were just laughing at the fact that we don't do this well and it doesn't come naturally to us and isn't that isn't that hilarious kind of thing and our friend <laughs> our friend was really good at it <laughs> and her, <laughs> her portrait was like so good wait how old are you guys at this <laughs> we point 13 but like all so before you, then you wrote well. yourself off at 13 yeah but it, then uh. even before then like we were asked okay basically it was an art it was an art class we were asked to like do you know turn in homework or whatever and i was just mine was just never on point i even got oh this is this is really outing my me now i basically like created this whole anxiety and nervousness around this piece where we had to um we had to create a piece that was inspired by was it lammy let me check who's lammy the only lammy i know is david lammy the mp no it's not lammy Oh, this is really embarrassing. She's Googling art right now. No, I mean, I didn't just Google art. I, I gotta say though, like for someone that doesn't supposedly have art fear, I do always feel really, really like um, out of place when it comes to like contemporary art. I just do not know the landscape. Like visually, yeah, I know various pieces, but I would love to like dwell into that world and be like, oh yeah, that that's a shot on block or whatever they, I don't know. <laughs> I want to be down, but I'm just not. Like, you know how that's like like a new, like, R&B or, like, hip-hop or drill 
like mixtape or something or an album coming out when it's like yeah because you were always creating music on yeah. your phone so it's like I want to I want to be down with the kids like go to the Tate and just not feel like oh these are just like some drawings that an 11 year old could have done like I'm sure <laughs> there's a lot more happening to it and like usually those like little descriptions you know are like is, on though? smash for that's it yeah. so it's like just feeling it wasn't just so i'll finish this like quick story where i basically i basically got my mum because i was so nervous and i like was so late to turn this homework in i basically got my mum to like draw stick figures <laughs> on an a4 sheet and like do some shading <laughs> she, she, she really <laughs> why are you went, that's went, cheating so, and that's really bad cheating as well <laughs> it was but she turned it she like you know did oh, whatever sphere i'll just quickly do this yeah and <laughs> she's not an artist either turn it in i got a note back from the teacher saying this isn't good enough <laughs> <laughs> Your mom must have been pissed. Uh, this isn't good enough i need i need to see like actual effort being put in i was like what these stick figures aren't it because the artist i'm referring to i can't remember their name was kind of known for doing like stick figures yeah anyway so my mom thought she was all like did did the thing and i was like yeah you definitely did like i'm i'm happy to turn this in they'll never find out they'll never know and i'll i'll look i actually think i'll get quite a good grade, grade for this as well yeah so, so when she when the teacher said no you need to do better i had to do it again and this time i got a b or whatever so whatever anyway but the idea being that i've never it's never quite been something that's come naturally to me and I've never really done too well at it either, even when I've made an effort. There's always someone in the room that's better than me at it. So I've just kind of internalised that, I think, Yeah. since being a kid. And now it's a case of like, well, of course, if I try to write, write a poem, someone's someone's better at me, Yeah. better at poems than me. There prof- there's professional poets out there. Like, of course, somebody is going to be better at me, better than me at it. Of course, someone's going to be better at making a video. Of course, somebody is going to be better at writing a blog. But the idea is what I've kind of come to know and understand is that I don't think that that's an excuse to not do it anyway. Yeah. Like, it's just that it's just reinforcing this like negative self talk about, well, there's no point because someone somewhere is better at it. So mm. you might as well not bother. Yeah. But yeah, what were you gonna say? No, you just reminded me of a story that um I came across in a book that I was I read like maybe two or three years ago. So this guy was in he's he was in like advertising school, so ad school in New York. And then he got given a task to draw the um to basically create the perfect rectangle. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So he was basically saying that everybody in his class were like proper fretting they had like half an hour and they had like a blank a, a piece of paper and a pencil and they had to basically draw like this perfect rectangle or some sort or like some artistic rectangle that's like gonna like i don't know like <laughs> like do wonders like I, I, there's probably like some deep psychological meaning well, behind this task with them. Yeah, yeah but like oh, he so basically he was like he felt really quietly confident and he didn't well yeah because it's a rectangle bro <laughs> what are you talking about no so he he basically just sat back and for like most of the 20 um 20 the half an hour just sat back and observed all of his colleagues just like fretting Losing over it. Yeah, yeah like coming up with all these cool like shading techniques as you were saying or like 
different in abstract rectangles or doing collections of rectangles and whatnot. And then when it's like, say, I think you said something about like when it got to like the 25 minute mark or the like basically one minute to go, this guy, like such a maverick, all he did was just put a signature in the bottom mm. left hand corner of his paper and then went and handed it in. Mm-hmm. Basically, the paper was already in a rectangular shape. So why? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So you just reminded me, your mom trying to draw stick figures to, <laughs> to swindle the art teacher. <laughs> was the same as this guy handing in a blank piece of paper. <laughs> uh, oh, do you think man. it's any wonder why I was encouraged to take academic subjects <laughs> when it came down to choosing my GCSEs? but yeah i I take it so you've grown up in an environment where it's been like shunned or i guess it was artists weren't really thought highly of or no we didn't we had like art in the house but not really like we had um a knockoff of van gogh's sunflowers that was uh, that's like the most like that's the first and only thing i can think of when i think of art is like that was just always in our house yeah um, so I always like liked Van Gogh, but I don't. But like to your point, like going into museums and stuff, I share the same struggle where yeah. we go to these places, and in being in London too, there's everything's free. Thank God, right? All these yeah. museums are free entry, and we go to these things, and I'm trying to see the meaning in th- in in <laughs> just really abstract paintings and sculpture, and I I really struggle to understand what where they're coming from, because I think. I've been taught to not live in ambiguity, right? To like, we're just, if you live in certainty in terms of what, um, what different things mean, I know what the outcome of a sociological concept is in geography. I know what a geopolitical outcome is for the war in Iraq or whatever. Like I know different historical ideas and I can understand what the result of it is. But with art, it's, so difficult to know where they were coming from and even if you get the description of what their intended intention was it doesn't mean that that's what it becomes right a lot of musicians also say you know when i write something and i put it out into the world it becomes what it needs to become for you you interpret it however you want to and i think i have a much easier time doing that with music so i i will find meaning in music and i will appreciate the ambiguity of it because i think it's it's coupled with a great melody or a great beat or you can take enjoyment from music in a literal sort of surface level way or you can delve deeper into the meanings of the the kind of the the choices that the musician made yeah my favorite songs are so meaningful to me because i've derived meaning from the lyrics and from the composition and whatnot but for actual art pieces i struggle i struggle to not and like you're saying like i'm so cynical i'm just like the most cynical person I know I think because I can walk into those places and think oh a 12 year old could have done that like oh I could have done that but of course I couldn't because I didn't because I didn't do it and I don't and every time there's an opportunity to I don't choose to so you know even if it is is just a splatter on a wall or like them ones where we go into the the gallery and it's just a piece of white fabric it's infuriating but fair play like if that was what you chose to do as an artist I, I, what who am i to tell you otherwise they didn't have the art fear that you seem to no, have no because i i suppose that's the uh, that's it right it's the decision to create something irregardless of what people think of it whereas i if i'm going to create something and put it in the tape it needs to be the 
absolute perfection to yeah. everyone all the time. So where do you think this like need for a to attain a certain level to be considered creative comes from? Well, that's it. So it's like the thing you you and I spoke about where you showed me the graphic where it's called basically being a tastemaker. So you Oh yeah, yeah, your skill level um so your taste level goes up, but then your So uh, actual, yeah, as yeah. you get older and as you consume more more shit, you develop a taste. So yeah. I've developed a taste in genres of music or certain artists within that that genre. I've developed a taste in TV and film in poetry I've developed a taste in novels and non-fiction I know what I like and I know what I don't like so you'll never catch me watching Britain's Got Talent like over my dead body will you watch will you it's an okay make me show. watch Britain's Got Talent but and that's it your your taste is different to mine so that's it no so I'm I'll not my Got taste Talent. is not epitomised by <laughs> you uh, are Britain's not, Got Talent man and I'm not, I'm not and that's where it ends no I'm open no, to no let me both finish it doesn't and so I won't watch Britain's Got Talent but I will watch Dexter or I don't know whatever so the idea is that you've developed a taste over time and then if you ever want to create something your skill level is never going to be at first as good as your taste so your favorite artist being Monet, for example, you're not going to be able to at first first go create something as impactful or as articulate as a Monet painting at first, but you may develop a taste, uh, develop your skills over time to where it will eventually match your taste, right? So that's my my problem is that my taste in poetry is so high, I'm so far off. My my level my skill set with poetry is so far off from what you feel like you'll be able to do and my skill set with videos is so far off all the videos i love and enjoy um so that's it it's like what what's stopping me or what has stopped me in the past is this kind of this chasm between the skill that i have and the taste that i have there's been many times in my life where i i have attempted to write write a poem yeah or i've attempted to write I've I've had three. <laughs> well, your poems are good though. I two, wouldn't be able to. Two blog attempts. Yeah. To um, so like I've had two attempts in my sort of adult life where because this all sort of happened post I'd say post graduation from uni at 20, 2013 where I was like okay I'm gonna like do creative stuff now like done the academic stuff now yeah. I'm gonna, like be creative or whatever and then I created a blog and I never allowed anyone to be a part of it i never shared the link with anyone i developed a following of i'd say five people international followers thank you but i don't know who they were anonymous it was on wordpress and it was basically me writing articles and blogs about uh criminal and illicit industries like uh like Oh, the name trafficking. Me. Yeah, like sex trafficking, um, illicit arms deals. Uh, I was going to sort of venture out into organ harvesting and just basically anything illegal that's traded internationally mm. I was like super interested in. this. That kind of sounds bad, but anyway, mainly humans. So human trafficking and sex trafficking was something I was really passionate about and I wanted to write about. I did. And then I kind of ran, ran out of steam and decided that my, my work wasn't good enough and I just stopped doing it. Mm. 
and then a few years later I tried again I set up a, a blog this time I was a little bit more open about it on my sort of social media and said yeah I'm gonna do a blog I was trying to hold myself accountable yeah I'm gonna do a blog and it's gonna be about these issues women's issues da 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 again you know didn't post anything drafted some stuff but convinced myself that what I was writing wasn't good enough for the world to see and then no one ever saw it and then last October I'd sort of did an Instagram story which hit quite a few people um who came back to me and said Joe I'm really like you know happy that you're saying this I think it kind of resonated with a few people where I'm basically saying a lot that people feel like feeling so fearful about putting stuff out or at least resonate with people that they know that this is something I struggle with or like that I seem to have a lot to say when it comes to different issues but I never and I'll do it in in close proximity with somebody so over a, a dinner or like over a pint or whatever I'll happily talk about these things but then when it actually comes down to putting pen to page and putting it out for more people to see I clam up so that was it It was like trying to figure out like how to get past that feeling yeah how to free yourself yeah so like openness to the idea of it but then also openness to to following through Mm. because there's been a few times in my life where I've tried to open that door and then I've closed it back on myself instead of walking through so and then it's just I think the challenge now is just reconciling that taste to skill thing because that's that's eating at me like I want to be able to create content that like matters to people and impacts people but then the other question is well how many people will it take for you to be happy does it need to reach a million people for you to be happy yeah or can it just reach one and like when we were talking um to our our friends who visited who said uh, one of them said or if what what matters is not the frequency at which you create content oh and he's a writer like a really great writer um who's been published too so he he kind of knows the game and he's very skilled but he also puts a lot of work into his into his craft and he practices and and i was saying you know I want to be able to create stuff off off the cuff. I env- I envision creatives as being naturally gifted, right? Yeah. So, like, we know graphic designers who I'm like, so like, oh my god, how do you do it? Well, they went to uni for it and they practiced. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And even when you get the job, you're still not the finished article. You're still continuing. You went to uni for a video and you you came out and you've been in it for nearly a decade and you're at that level now just on that you're super skilled but you weren't like that when you were 18 if i'm if i'm honest like when i don't get me wrong i really enjoyed uni and i had a great time learned a lot but in terms of like being able to do the job now or to fulfill the functions that i'm supposed to function and provide the services that i'm supposed to these creative services i felt like i only learned like probably not even one percent yeah. And it only really came afterwards, like through practice and just like continually doing it, that I felt like I made the big strides to get to a place where I'm comfortable enough to offer. Like, yeah, to go more public. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. He, as somebody I've envisioned to be so gifted at it, he says he practices all the time and it's constant, it's constant, you know, um, kind of war of attrition on, yeah. on the craft, making sure that you're keeping yourself on your toes a bit. It's a whole um, 10,000 hours thing. Like, completely. It's just... And that's it. Like, but what he was saying was that even if you, what he's come to understand or believe is that 
what really matters is not how much you're putting out but what the impact is so if you're if you're creating something and it has true it's entertainment fair enough like if it there's so much in the world that is just for entertainment so this podcast for example people could listen to the, to this episode and come away with it having not learned really very much because this is just not where they're at in life it you know it's just entertainment perhaps they like your asmr or they like my ramblings <laughs> but that's fine right that's enough but what he was saying was that if you can create something that impacts truly has an impact on on even just one person then that's really profound that that goes beyond just pure entertainment and that goes that touches somebody on a deeper level so to to follow this example if one person listens to this podcast and feels inspired to create something then that would be great right yeah, or exactly, someone that's yeah. holding themselves back from creating something and understanding that i too struggle with that and that this is a thing and that you know allows them to feel less fearful or if it helps somebody to be a bit more empathetic to others around them that aren't as creative as they are or and you know, are holding themselves back yeah. in some way, then that's great too. So he was saying that impact is what you should aim for. And if you just hit one person with that, then that's fair enough. Like that's, yeah. that suffices. It doesn't have to reach a million people. It doesn't have to be like do very much really. Yeah. It can just, it can just be what it is and impact is what you should strive for not yeah. not numbers or engagement or do you know what i'm saying also as well like when like when you were speaking earlier like a thought that popped into my head is just that everybody has the right to contribute or to like have their own voice or yeah. to have their own say or to have their own way of expression like we it, be it through art or in different ways in life we yeah. always express ourselves so why should you be stopped like even if you don't feel like it's up to where you'd want it um where you'd like it to be like you still are entitled to share it and like i don't know it's just it it just makes me feel a bit like sad and upset that like (laughs) there's people that like might be holding themselves back in this way and it's just like it doesn't have to be that way and i know i might sound like a bloody hippie right now but no but you're right you're right in, in in theory but in practice as soon as you put there's there's two things to that so you can create art whether that's writing to yourself or um writing poems that you that you don't want anyone to see or paintings or whatever it is but the kind of thing i struggle with that is that that's okay but there's there's a question there of like why don't you want others to see this so there are poems that I've got stacked up that mm. I've written that no one's seen, not even you. Yeah. Because I'm afraid of what you'll think or I'm afraid of what someone else is... Can I just say, of- even the greats do that, you know? Even, like, the people that do presumably share, like, what's his name? Um, Our dearly departed prince, actual prince, the musician. Um, So he always used to brag Was about... Was that a slight at Prince Harry? No, as in no, 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 no. Like Prince is in party. like the purple one, not the purple one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, carry on. I'm not doing. I like Harry. Maybe no, you I'm went. Not... You went daily departed, Prince. The 
the purple the mu- one, the no, musician. The musician. And yeah. I was like, oh, do you mean the other one? No, right. no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. So he's obviously like world acclaimed, renowned, been doing it for years, plays so many instruments. His first album was amazing and he's gone on to do so much. And then even he was bragging about the fact that how, how he has vaults worth of stuff that nobody has ever ever heard um like and probably never will unless his family or estate decide to release it so it's, i just feel like you never really stop hiding some like there's been stuff that even i've done and i've not put it out there and i feel like for example how many times do we hear when an album comes out they asked the artists oh how many songs did you put together in order to make this album we might only hear 11 songs but there was like 50 in production yeah. So I, I feel like that process never really stops. And in some way, it's kind of like, nice, why do you have to create for everybody? Sometimes it's just nice to create just for yourself. Just for the process of yeah, creating Yeah, just something. enjoying it. It doesn't always have to be... But I, this I, is what I'm saying, is like, that's fair enough. Yeah. But they put out stuff for other people to share. Yeah. Whereas what, I'm, what I've been battling with is not putting out anything. Yeah. So it's all fair enough that these musicians can have vaults of stuff that they don't share with others but they've also put out stuff that can be shared by, with the world and people can enjoy and yeah. take take you know um comfort in or or whatever i think what i mean when i say the kind of it's okay to, to create stuff just for yourself but ask yourself why you're not sharing it mm. there's a myriad of answers to that question it could be well the world's had enough of me and i want this I want to keep this for myself. It could be this isn't ready yet. This yeah, isn't you don't good know enough. How to communicate this at that point. This isn't yeah. ready. It, and then it's the the other thing I think of, which is I don't think it's good enough. Hmm. And I don't think, and I think people will make fun of it, or I think people will feel some type of way about it. Now, this goes back to the taste thing because I myself have have constantly absorbed and consumed content. And I, like, so, so an example being, I've found really great YouTubers. I'm a, like, YouTuber at heart. I love YouTube. And there's a YouTuber that I always enjoy that her videos, but I never like them. So I, I just take it for granted. I just follow these YouTube videos. I'm like, oh, that was a great video. And then I move on. Not recognizing that my like can help the algorithm it can help to support her in creating more content. It can let her know that someone likes her content, right? So how is it now that when I'm creating a video and I've released it, I'm I'm questioning, well, why is there not enough? Why is there not more likes? Why is there's this many views? Why don't more people liking it? You do the same thing, bro. You do the exact <laughs> same thing where you watch the content you enjoy it yeah, or you, you don't enjoy it but like you lit you just move on and you don't give the yeah. creator you don't give the creator any indication as to what what you feel about it you don't comment saying good work or this sucked you just move on you know you don't you don't like support the person and this is the thing it's like i've been so guilty of that and this is the the problem with it it's like you're creating stuff that that you are afraid people will think sucks or whatever. And that's why it's that it's that fear realized. It's the fear of putting something out and someone coming back and not enjoying it and telling you that. Yeah, it's a very or naked experience. Someone not giving a shit about it at all. Yeah. So 
that's that's what it is is the the fear of what people think of it and what I'm really trying to move past and I have made huge strides because like I said I've made many attempts in my life to try and be creative this is truly the first time where I've like fully committed to it where I'm putting out consist like we're putting out consistent podcasts fair enough this is a joint venture so it I guess less pressure in a sense because it's shared between us but you know putting out a video was like a huge huge like I, I should be proud of myself for the rest of of the year for that, and I yeah. shouldn't take that for granted. You and also, really the video hard on it as well. not very good, like in terms of my taste. Right. So going back to the taste skill thing, the skill of that video is nowhere near what my taste is. I love certain transitions. I love certain backdrops. I love changing scenery. I love this. I love that. That's not this video, and this video might not be many people's taste at all, but going back to what our friend said if there is one person impacted positively by that video whether it's just taking in the message and being more compassionate whether it's having more compassion for me even or like coming to understand me on a deeper level as my friend because I've put out stuff I haven't told friends before there's friends I have told but there's friends I haven't and like if that's if that's fair enough like do you know what I mean but that's the thing I'm trying to move past is the this isn't going to be very good in my eyes, in the eyes of somebody that has developed a taste for certain kinds of content. But I have to move past that because I'll never create anything. Yeah. And the only way that I would ever improve is to be able to actually just put it out, see what happens and then develop and keep developing skills over time by creating more stuff. Because the next video I create is just going to be marginally better than this. Mm. It won't be a 180, but it will be something like this, just maybe 5%, 10% better. And isn't that enough? And then there's the other thing of like, I shouldn't give a shit what people think, point blank, whether it's positive or negative, which yeah. is something I'm, I, I too am trying to sort of internalize. Um, the idea, like the, the, the sheer anxiety that I have <laughs> with the fact that I've put something out and there's people people I know that I've watched and gone fuck that's real that was so awkward that was so awkward to watch that was so uncomfortable what what the fuck is she doing like she needs to stay in her lane <laughs> this is not her do you know what I mean like there's, there's those thoughts that might be coming and then there's also the ones of like oh my god she's great like she, this is so natural this comes so naturally to her or god she's got a real knack for this or you know Oh, she's got a lot to say. That's great. I shouldn't give a shit about either of those opinions. Mm. And I should be like able to just like see my friends next or whatever, and like it not come up, it not be a thing, because it's not for them. It's for me. What what ultimately got me motivated to post that video was not. I hope this helps someone. It wasn't. It that was the intention behind the video, but what motivated me to post it was. I don't give a shit if no one watches this. I need to move past this fear and just post it. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So like actually the creation of the video had one intention, but just getting in in the moment of posting it, just getting in the mindset of trying to post the video. It like I procrastinated for like a whole weekend. I procrastinated actually for a whole month 
not editing the video. Yeah. <laughs> like I put, I created the the stuff and then I had to edit it down and that was like a whole procrastination. And then posting it was a whole procrastination. Um, but it was just, that was what ultimately got me over the line was you stopping yourself from posting this is just perpetuating that art fear. You need to just post it and then it exists and then that's, and then your job's done. And like, if no one, if no one's life has changed from it then that's that just you just have to accept that your intention was to help somebody but if it doesn't help anyone then that's okay i was gonna ask you um i feel like well you you tell me has there has there been anyone or anything that you feel has like inspired you to like or encouraged you to like have a change of heart towards this because as you were saying you haven't always felt inclined or persuaded to like meeting my writer friend and meeting our poet friend yeah and meeting you you were doing freelance stuff at the time when i, when I was meeting you and you're creating stuff and um i'm surrounded by creative people and i just like i said i'm so enamored by people that that have it as their career or they do it as a side hustle like i just think wow it must take so much guts because it's and so much self-belief as well that even in this sea of saturation yeah you still put you something still up. feel like what you've got to say is worth something like that takes some balls so you know i just i think that was what it was was just constantly being surrounded by people that that you know have that in them and you know whether they were getting paid nine to five for it or doing it as a weekender thing like it it was I don't know it just became more and more apparent to me that I had something to say yeah but I wasn't saying anything and I was I was keeping my mouth shut um and I think also just trying to figure out well I don't know what my thing is what's my thing yeah well you know so and so has got his thing's poetry okay well his thing's writing short stories and 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 just writing in general okay well her thing is you know da 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 and his thing's furniture like what's my thing I don't know what my thing is what's my niche because I've dabbled, I guess. Yeah. And I think I'm just, I'm always going to be in that situation of trying to figure out what my thing is um, until something gravitates to me. Like podcasting seems to be something that I gravitate to. Yeah. More so than video. Like in the time it's taken me to create one video, I've created four podcasts. Yeah. Like this is something I can commit to and something that feels good to me. I can, I've also like taken the lead on editing it and like I, I seem to like have more um sort of empowerment with this process versus video probably because the skill set's completely different i can just turn it on record (laughs) (laughs) versus all the shit we just had to deal with and i'm also proud of myself by the way that living with somebody and being married to somebody is a professional (laughs) videographer (laughs) you only had like 10 percent involvement in what you say no in my video Oh yeah, yeah. You did most of it. Like there was one session that I helped you set up the cam and and that, but I pretty much just left you to your own devices. See? That's why I said Hell earlier, yeah. like, but you like crapped all over. I was like, you should be proud of yourself. Like you did put in a lot of hard so work. I was there. I completely, yeah. I completely shut that out of my mind. I actually I, like, like recorded this two times. Yeah. No, <laughs> like so generally, you did like put in a lot of effort, and you were like really determined. Um, and my thing would be is just like no matter what it is be it a video be it podcasting just allow yourself that time and space to fail and like yeah 
I, f- I forgot the name of it, but um, I think what's it called? Um, one of the one of my favorite books, and I think you should probably read it, is How to Fail, and it's oh, yeah. it's essentially just a it's a it's a book where it's a collection of um short stories, like no more than a page, from different people that have just failed in their life. God, it's literally just it's an amazing book. Just it's literally page after page is it, of is just it on people. Our yeah, yeah, hold on one second. Do you want me to do the whole fill the yeah. fill the silence? Shall I do ASMR? No. He's um he's on his hands and knees looking for it. <laughs> Hello. Oh yeah, I have seen it. Felt. F- What's that? So yeah. That wasn't too bad. So it's called Failed It, and what I love about it is even the covers are failure because it's the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> so that's failed it by Eric Kessels and it's literally just a Oh uh, wow. Oh yeah, it's the wrong way around. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's like Arabic. So basically what's great about this book is it, it puts you in a headspace where it just um gives you permission to feel like anything goes really. And the, and sometimes as well, um even the mistakes that you make can actually lead to great new discoveries and it just makes you feel more comfortable and more at ease with the creative process and just like empowers you and doesn't make you feel like you're less than or it just yeah it just encourages you and then the other one as well which um remember the story about the um rectangle that i told you earlier the guy from ad school so it's george lewis and it's called damn good advice so for people with talent and how to unleash your creative potential so again he's just talking it's just simple little lessons like no more than a paragraph each one but they're like picture they're like picture books but they're really powerful like i'm telling Damn. you it's just it's I w- the same publisher as well yeah i would highly recommend it so that's failed it by eric kessels and damn good advice by george lois those two books i feel like have helped me Thank and you. that's another thing on is, our bookshelf this whole time yeah because um that's another thing as well now that it's, it's actually hit me like an absolute lightning bolt um most of the people that you think are like creative <laughs> aren't just creative because they're just naturally like that i guarantee you they're looking at their peers and taking lessons from them or getting inspired by them yeah and then they're Whereas building i up. feel like i need to something needs to be conjured up within me and i need to like have some divine inspiration no, it, yeah. and then it's just me and i'm not influenced by anyone because i don't want to copy anyone this whole thing and yeah so it's a it's a it's a exchanging process like even when i think about it when i was in uni like um, you were constantly put in groups and you guys had a week to come up with a project and you're bouncing off of each other and like yeah. there's a lot of like teamwork in it and yeah. obviously um at some points you go off and you do your own thing but I don't know there's always there's like this weird sense of camaraderie I feel sometimes with like other creative people yeah and like you they inspire you and you think okay I'm gonna take this lesson and add it to what I'm already doing and I don't. It's just like this free-flowing, wonderful experience, and I hope that you are able to read these two books because I really recommend them to you. And yeah, just I don't know, just change your perception of how the creative. But wait, talk about. So how did you not? How did you manage to sort of avoid these pitfalls in mentality and around being creative? And well, um, is there a secret? Like potion. Well, like what? <laughs> there isn't a secret potion. Should I, have, should I have like drank something when I was thirteen in art class? 
What would have done it, do you reckon? Well... Because your parents wanted you to be academic Yeah, well, they wanted so me to be academic. It wasn't yeah. for lack of trying, yeah. right? <laughs> I had to fight for this when I think about it. Yeah. So, uh, the way I've told you this, the way it all started for me was... I was in, um, oh, stupid siren. This is what happens when you. London life. <laughs> this is what happens God when bless you. God bless, though. Yeah. I mean, working at this hour. Yeah, it's a Sunday evening and they're, they're proper Come right. On. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. Anywho, the way it all started for me was, and I've told you this story before, I literally, year, year, what was the last year of school? Year 11 mm. in secondary school. Um, obviously the time to go to college is coming up or sixth form I didn't know what I wanted to do what were your subjects um so I just had a broad range of GCSEs uh, so I the main had a GMVQ at the time which I think became BTEC which was um in ICT so computers and uh-huh. then I had like statistics maths the, you know the general set I didn't really pick with anything in mind i don't know what was wrong with me maybe it's because i wasn't in a great school at the time yeah but then obviously- that's a whole other podcast <laughs> the stories you've told me on that one i need a couple do you think that'll be a good one uh, potentially yeah it's like school days <laughs> so, yeah that yeah that's that was an experience anywho <laughs> <laughs> i literally i was like okay what am i gonna do i was going through college prospectuses i everybody around me seemed to know what they wanted to do really? so i was just like in a, I remember very clearly in a cor- in a corridor, two of my friends from my class were with me. I was flicking through the page and I just closed my eyes and thought to myself, okay, where do I see myself in about five to ten years' time? Like no, with no like preconceptions, no pressure, just look into the future and where do you see yourself? So I literally same first person view. I saw myself holding a clipboard and I was on a film set. So I was like, screw it, let's go for it. And then What? <laughs> yeah. So that's how it all started for me. So it's like, okay, I've never done media in my life. Sign Did me you up. know it was called media? Well, yeah, obviously I knew that in order to, to do film um at your college I I would need to have like a media um A level media or Okay. But then what I decided to do was I decided to go the B tech route, so the more vocational route as opposed to going um, down the academic route, which I'm very, very glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because it can't, basically, it was all my, it was all coursework. There was no exams, there was no anything, and I also took photography alongside it. And during that experience, um, I think, <laughs> I think this is probably the secret if you're looking for one. Mm-hmm. Is it was very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. Like any time, so the, um, the grades were. I think it was. Um, instead of A B, yeah, yeah. So yeah, instead of A B C, it was merit, distinction, merit, pass. Yeah, pass, merit, distinction. Distinction yeah. was the high, was the top grade. Yeah, and because I was in like some, I, and also as well, I took myself out of my comfort zone and I went to study in East London. So I, I grew up in South. I was like, South is dangerous. My school experience has been really crap. Let me just take myself out of oh, South wow. and and just. So you just you just felt like you had to do that. Yeah. Again, just for me blindly following this gut feeling. This gut feeling. Damn. Um, so yeah, traveling every single day, going up to East London where I have no connections, no ties. I made up some fake story about me living in Leighton just in case, because there was beef between South and East at the time. Um, just in case anybody asked me anything. But then after after a while, it just came out that I lived in South, but people were fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Um. 
so yeah, anywho, it was really competitive. Like anytime we'd do a task and people would get their grades back, you'd hear people yelling, distinction, distinction. And you didn't want to be that guy in a room that was like there of your fail or your mm-hmm. merit. You wanted to be part of the, dis- um, the distinction club. And in a weird way, like even though it was like you'd get bullied if you passed, mm. it kind of motivated me and kept me on my toes because you didn't want to be that person in the room that was getting ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that could also be seen as a negative motivation, but for me, it kind of worked. Um, just like being used to competing, getting used to handing stuff in, I'm exposing myself to like feedback and getting my stuff ripped apart and then having to pick yourself back up again. Right. And that never stopped in university. Like our tutors were like very, very strict. They'd rip you apart, tear your work apart. And you didn't, Mm. you, and there's also people from all over the country now. So you felt like you just had to like hit the ground running and you just had to be on top of your game. But also as well, like even though you, you might have been around in a, in a competitive field and might have felt threatened. You also felt really inspired by all of the people around you. And you just, I don't know, just naturally just became more and more serious. Then started looking at like the professionals, trying to like learn from them as much as possible and just taking as many lessons as I can and just just trying to master the craft and trying to like reverse engineer things and understand it. Um, so I guess for me, I didn't see it as much as like a, 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 a what's it called like a creative or an expression or an, out, an outlet for expression I saw it more of, more as like a science so right. I didn't I'm getting yeah. that I'm getting that vibe that it, it was actually just approaching it from a technical perspective yeah just yeah. breaking it down and then it just so happens that when I take a step back and look at the bigger picture it's a creative picture right so that obviously it might be different for other people but that's how i see it and same way when i'm reading these books with um from failed it to damn good advice i just see it as part and parcel as the process that you need to be able to you're going to have these failures you you need to learn from the best and hopefully it will then reflect in the work that you're doing i think that's where i'm going wrong is that i'm i envision creative fields as something that comes it's just a natural gift and it doesn't require work yeah right and the main we've thing we've hit we've hit it guys <laughs> see you next time <laughs> and as of the stage that i'm at now as well is i see it as like the challenge is to communicate and the method of communication is the creativity so when i'm creating these days it's is this going to be understood by this audience is my message going to be received and then the creativity is are they going to like the style of communication Right. So it, again, as I'm coming so from that technical just... standpoint, and it's like, okay, what's been successful in the past? Okay, cool. And then that every so often I'll have a hunch about a particular idea or a particular method, yeah. and then I'd employ it. Right. So I just see it as a, a series of techniques, and yeah, it's just hmm. like a repertoire. It's like, okay, you can. It's funny you say that because I was like, yeah, like with my poet, like I'm trying to write a poem and like. I haven't written a poem in a long time because it has to be like a stroke of genius. I have to f- sort of feel inspired, like when I'm on a bus, or it has to something something has to like come up within me where I feel like I have to let this escape my body mm. or whatever. It sounds really like I don't know, weird, but anyway, like I felt like oh I can't. Every poem I've written has been like I'm feeling this thing and I need to get it on pa- on page, and then our writer friend said. <laughs> like that basically 
basically told me that it takes practice. Like this isn't, you don't just, and it, I guess when he was talking about him, himself, like he was writing a short story and he, um, he basically wasn't done with it and he had to keep coming back to it and keep working on it, sentence structure, um, story, plot, characters, whatever. And then it basically ranges for him because I'm asking him or assuming that it must or must take him like maybe a weekend to write a short story. It must just kind of Jack Kerouac style just flow off the page. Mm-hmm. I don't, do you know Jack Kerouac? No, I don't know him, but I know so the notion of flowing he, off the page. Um, he he wrote on the road which is one one of my favorite books um and i actually have the edition where he basically and i actually visited his old scroll in the british museum basically he he had this stroke of genius and he he wrote this entire novel basically an autobiography it was it 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 was a story about him traveling across the u.s and a friend of mine in sixth form told me to read it and it is the perfect book to read when you're a 17 year old it just describes all the feelings that you feel of freedom of sexuality of friendship exploration adventure um sort of nihilism um finding spiritual spirituality finding god finding meaning in life and what he did was he he t- he kind of travelled around the US and he kind of came back to New York and wrote the entire story over a seven year period of this travelling. He wrote in one one go. He just had a ashtray with with a bunch of cigarette butts and his aunt he was living with his aunt at the time, he would just bring him food or whatever. But he literally just wrote on a scroll. Yeah. Like no chapters no no structure just stream of consciousness for like 300 pages mm-hmm. and i've seen the scroll in person it's it was just mind-blowing to, to witness this thing anyway that's just what i think i think that's maybe part of what informed my thinking around creativity as well is that those there's those kinds of people too yeah you do like get those strokes he, of geniuses 100 he just did that and then the book I read was one that was edited into into chapters, into some kind of structure yeah. that you could stomach. Um, but then I later bought, uh, there's an original scroll version where it's all the mistakes, all of the kind of, you know, things going on with no, there is no break. So you just read it as one stream of consciousness. Yeah. But anyway, I'm asking our, our friend this question about you know, assuming that this is what it must be like for writers, you know, and and then to be told that it actually kind of isn't like that and it takes practice and he has to kind of go back to a story and, and when it's ready, he'll release it. Yeah. Or when he feels it's ready, he'll ask close friends to review it and then he'll do some editing and then he'll release it. And it just, there's some technicalities there that I yeah, didn't like consider before. It's like a code. Right. And just the idea that you have to, you have to show it to your friends first to get their view or like to trusted people to get their opinion and you have to be comfortable with it before you put it out into the world so like i guess i didn't do that with this video but part of the like i said part of the challenge was not whether it's good or not 
I just needed to get over the hump of just releasing something regardless of how I felt about it and just get over that fear but when it comes to poetry like I've just uh, kind of now understand it in a different light where those aren't finished pieces those things I wrote in a stream of consciousness are probably not very good to be released to the world because I haven't treated it with the respect it deserves of going through it meticulously understanding where I'm coming from thinking about if I can approve it at all getting the feedback of close friends or, or people that I trust who are you know poets themselves or the thought of giving it to a poet friend and going right can you like, give me some notes is terrifying but that's, but that's what you kind need. of the idea right that's it's like I, that's now the next step is for me to create is to edit this poem in the best possible way i can and give it to my poet friend and go right tell me what sucks and tell me what you like and whatever they tell me i have to take on the chin i have to yeah and i can't take it personally and i have to just deal with that and deal and deal with the feedback and decide what i do with it but that that's kind of a growth in my understanding of creativity to your point around it's more technical than you think it requires more practice than than you think this might sound really abstract but there's a song that i really really want you to listen to that i feel (laughs) basically explains where i what what i've been trying to explain to you and it's on the daft punk album um random access memories um and it's track free and it's called giorgio by Morder. what okay so basically what this track is not like it's it's like an interview as opposed to just being wait, wait, wait you're spoiling it it's nine minutes long no but trust me it's an interview plus so basically oh, what's it but yeah if you've heard that song this one you'll know what i'm talking about so it's essentially it starts out as like a standard interview and throughout the interview it's him building a song so it's like creativity but in live action like it's actually happening and he's um there's a line um that he says something along the lines of um there comes a point where like you understand like where the song wants you to go like you've tapped into the language or you feel like you understand the parameters and the style of the communication and i feel like that's the point i really want you to listen to this song because right. i feel Giorgio. like it... so Giorgio by morador yeah Morida. okay so track three on the random access memory album right lovely and yeah i feel like that will really put it in a much more succinct way that will yeah i would love to play it now the entire song but i think we'll it's get a nine copyright. minutes long we'd get a copyright strike as well and i'm not trying Did, to really i don't know that's better play it no safe. it's fine it's fine you don't want yeah we just won't get it's not going on youtube yeah but anywho long story cut short it's a code it's concepts oh it's experimentation just imagine instead of thinking of an artist with like a paintboard and an easel imagine a scientist in a laboratory with different chemicals and they're pouring stuff in in the yeah. hope to but find that's a solution it, man. every time i've seen a painter they just you seen the video of jim carrey just making shit like gorgeously just what is that about i think i think that's it it's just taking in all of these people that are that are geniuses they are prodigies they are not the they are the exception not the rule yeah right hopefully i don't know oh we'll see (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i feel like i don't know the reason why i'm pushing that agenda is because i feel it makes it more accessible 
and I feel like it will take away some of the stigma and it's yeah there it can be cracked you just have to I think the aim for me is to tackle poetry next I feel like we've got the podcast thing down where I'm just from a place of I don't care who listens to it yeah (laughs) it's just fun to make it right yeah um the video thing I don't having done all of that I'm proud of myself for doing it but I don't know if video is the right format for me Mm. but I'll I've got some more ideas that may or may not be better placed in blogs or articles or video. I need to kind of decide. But the the mission is to tick off those ideas in some format, whether it becomes a video or otherwise. And then the thing that I want to also do is um, release three poems this year. Yeah. And, that, and that... maybe, <laughs> maybe perform one a poetry night oh i've got i've got an idea cooking yeah well i was gonna say what that's another good thing that you've done there and i think it speaks back to like my uni slash college experience and even my day job now um that whole thing of like having deadlines having keeping yourself accountable even if you haven't cracked the code you still have to put something out that's it and even if you like are squirming and cringing yeah, no, when you put it out and it's just but like the shows like the show must go on you just have to go out there and just keep and then if you flop you just have to try and improve the next time around it's it's a never-ending <coughs> process sorry got a little tickle on my pickle yeah um yeah okay well, let's see, hey? Let's see what happens. Just be open <laughs> and just know that the joys and the triumphs do come eventually. And hopefully And I think this frequently. just helps this just helps kind of ego in, in general of just being willing to take criticism or take um Yeah, like <laughs> well, I was told like put your stuff out and if <laughs> it's kind of like cheeky but if you get um you know when when you're f- when the feedback you get is like oh i really liked this bit but they don't mention anything else then that's kind of your sign that they only like this bit only this mm. bit's good to them so then you can edit the other stuff or you yeah. can assess why yeah. it's not working on both sides um so it's just about that of like taking feedback and kind of almost like reading in between the lines of the feedback as well because not everyone wants to be brutally honest with you and say right this bit's shit i don't like you know mm. some people who just want to root for you and just want to see you do well yeah they'll only mention the, the good bits <laughs> but that's enough that's something you have to take responsibility for too and go right okay they've only uh, people are only ever talking about this part of it or yeah. they only ever mention or talking good like this bit and i need to figure out what that means but that's it it's just i think in the journey of trying to overcome art fear if just putting stuff out is the first step i guess the next step is um refining yeah and exactly like working yeah. on the because like i said putting out a podcast is like piss easy now i don't particularly care who listens to it um i know it's fun for us to make and the feedback we do get is good so cool like it's not going to change anyone's life but it might and that's great um i think for the poetry stuff that's going to be the biggest that's the mount my mount everest this year is because i think to to kind of describe what why perhaps it's so difficult as well is like there's something deep and meaningful 
about putting out literally putting your soul out on page yeah versus us talking about stuff that's quite removed from us or conceptual or whatever like we can talk about um things that are somewhat personal like this is somewhat personal to me but it's not a wound yeah it's not you know it's it's not something that i lose sleep over it's just whatever we talk about on this is pretty kind of i don't know chill but poetry is like i've never written about something that's like funny put it that way <laughs> so you know it, it takes a, an extra level of i guess courage to put that out to the world but also to take feedback on it because like it's like taking feedback on your personality in some way you know like yeah, that's, you're putting that out a little a piece of yourself yeah it's your like your baby and the I guess the next challenge is to in the same way I don't give a crap what people say or think about this podcast is to get to that level of confidence with poetry even though it's sort of more personal yeah well I wish you every luck in that endeavor and I'm here obviously if you want to bounce ideas off I know I'm not a poet but I'll <laughs> it can be the little cheerleader on the side <laughs> just telling me like one sentence is good <laughs> <laughs> I really love this sentence oh this one really gets me to be it's, oh it's great what about the other stuff Tom no it's just great but this sentence though <laughs> do you know how I want to end this podcast today how by reminding you to listen to track free on Daft Punk's <laughs> album Random Access Memories and by reminding you to get Eric wow, Kessel's okay. book on failed it and you know it's the right book because the cover's wrong and then damn good advice by george lewis and by watching my not very good but okay video on your instagram page and finally soul and sophia thank you to finish here is no don't do it (laughs) here is some asmr to see you out i call this slurping You've cold no, tea no you've already you've already slurped do something else okay all right this is lint no, hazelnut no chocolate do the foil the foil's good okay no. this is me eating chocolate <laughs> right okay now it's just slurping about tom <laughs> oh my god that's so cringe <laughs> right toodles bye <laughs>